everyone. Welcome back to the Side Dish Podcast, where we dish it out with Boston's brightest culinary minds. It's Brittany here with my sister and co-host, Caitlin Peruge. Hey, guys. And we've got a great episode today for episode seven. Very excited about it. Um, Kate's going to do her wine tip. And then we're interviewing a very dear friend of mine, Daniel Rohan, founder of Source Restaurants in Harvard Square. If you guys follow me, you know that I love Source. I go there all the time, done a couple of giveaways for them. So big, big fans of Source, big, big fans of Daniel and his team. So we're so excited for that. And then I'm going to end with a kind of funny topic. A couple months ago, I posted on Boston Food Journal about a couple late night eateries in the city and asked everyone if they knew what cold tea was. And like a ton of you said that you didn't and you were like, what is this? So I'm just kind of going to talk about how I do um, late night eating in Boston and mm, what, what cold tea really is. I actually so, don't know what that is either. Why don't I know what that is? Because you're chuggy. <laughs> as, as we've established. Have we, have, eh, as we've established. Sorry, I'm drinking coffee as we speak, so I'm a little jumbled today. No worries. We're sorry, everyone, for being a little behind schedule this week. But Brittany and I were up in Maine for Memorial Day weekend, just taking a little bit of time to chill. So we were a little behind, but we'll be back at our normal schedule next week. So yes, um, you can all look forward to that. And what a, what a shitty Memorial Day weekend. Also. Oh, my God. And this week is like 85 and sunny. And of course, Memorial Day was like in the high 30s, torrential downpour. I know. Why and it was really you- funny. Should we tell the story about our, our steaks? Oh, my God. So my yes. mom was so excited about this. She thought, what are they? Why am I blanking on what they're called right now? Tomahawk. Tomahawk steaks. She got two massive tomahawk steaks. We were only five people and it feeds two to three people per steak. Also, so plenty of food. Wait, let me tell the story because I I was I was the one to see this shit go down. Excuse <laughs> my French. We were talking about these tomahawks for, I don't know, three, four weeks. It was like our big thing. You guys know this foodie family. Caitlin's fiance is also a big, like loves to cook and grill and whatever. So this was like a big thing for us. Put the tomahawks, you know, we were like taking pictures of it. Yeah, like let's go tomahawk time. Yeah, Put the tomahawks. did a story on the Boston Food I did a story that on just it. Never followed up on. Never after. followed up on. <laughs> Put the steaks on the grill. You'll see why. We're Sorry, all inside. And then James goes out to check on the steaks. And we notice that there's like flames coming out the back. And he like starts to look a little panicked. And I was like, James, is that normal? He goes, I don't know. It is when I use my whatever grill, but I'm not sure. He goes in, he opens up the lid and his face is just, it goes white. Like he saw like a ghost. And I was like, what? He goes, it's over. I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? He's like, it's done. It's done. I go, what do you mean they're done? He's like, they're done. They're, they're not, we can't eat this. I was like, they can't be salvaged. She was like, they can't be salvaged. So then I was like, Drama. Oh. I was like, James needs help. James needs help. So then my family goes sprinting outside. Basically, there was like a freaking grease fire. So there was so the- much fat in the steaks that it like ignited the grill for it some reason. The it was on to low. Like a tenth of the size. Like there they was like literally, a fire. In- they <laughs> literally looked like the size of a fist. Yeah. And these were like maybe like Rimmel. eight inch wide. Like the then we had peppers on there. <laughs> we had peppers on there that like turned to dust. It was insane. Now it's kind of funny, but at the time my mom was like, I'm really sad. Like, she, yeah, we were sad. So, so then I, I made a meme with James's face and my dad's face and was like, I don't always burn the house down, but when I do, it's from a tomahawk steak. Yeah. It's so it that, was, that kind of got 
ruined. We blamed the weather though, because like if it had been nice out, we all would have been out there chilling, having a drink, like watching the grill, and we would have right. like you know noticed if the right. grill was nearly going to ignite into flames, which thank exactly. God it didn't. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so, but that's what we blamed it on. But luckily, yeah, it mom had other steaks in the freezer, so we quickly shout out thawed, to shout out to Pineland Farms because we, we had. A lot of nice Pineland Farms meat in the fridge. Thank you, Pineland Thank Farms. So we made that, and it was safe. We saved, <laughs> yeah. we saved our state. We saved Memorial Day. Oh, it's funny. All right, anyway, Kate, what are we sipping story. on this week? Today, I'm going to feature an easy-drinking red wine today called Etna Rosso. This one is a 2016, the one that I had. It's a medium-bodied Italian red from Sicily featuring the Norello Mascalese grape. It's about 20 to 30 bucks. Um, tasting notes, you're gonna kind of, it's kind of flowery, red fruit, herbs. Um, it's very fresh and fragrant and soft tannins, which means it's not like, you know, when you take a sip of wine and sometimes you're like, ooh, it's like kind of makes your sour glands. Yep. Yep, it's not like that. So it's, it's smoother, easier to drink. Um, pairings with this one, um, I would do like a meat sauce or even a roasted white meat, um, like, you know, roasted chicken or roasted turkey. But I really think you could pair it with anything, even beef. It would stand up, um, especially if you are a fan of a lighter red anyway. Um, any kind of roasted meat will, will be great. And of course, <laughs> meats and cheeses, which I say mm-hmm. all the time because I feel like wine always goes with meats and cheeses no though. matter what you're drinking. Yeah, yeah, it does. So we got this one. Um, James has a nice wine shop where he's from in his hometown of Hampton, Connecticut. Um, I think it's called the Wine Thief, but it might be wrong. So um, that's where we got this particular bottle, but look for it at your local wine shop as it seems to be pretty widely distributed. So it should be decently easy to find. So it's the Etna Rosso 2016 from Sicily. And it was uh, it was really good. And we love Sicily because that is where we are from. Yes, our dad is Sicilian and Napolitan. So, so yeah, love that. Well, thank you, Kate. Now let's jump into our interview with Daniel Rohan from Source Restaurants, one of my favorite new spots in Harvard. It is a farm to table pizzeria and everything at Source is locally sourced, which is why it's one of my favorite spots. So Daniel, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what inspired the idea for Source? Absolutely. Hey guys. So, um, my background comes from extremely fine dining in the Chicago food scene and, and even the club scene. So about right around 2008 in Chicago, there was a big movement uh, for farm-to-table restaurants, very boutique restaurants. And what was interesting was all of these phenomenal high-end chefs and young chefs, very creative minds, were tired of the white tablecloth, the fine dining atmospheres, creating these beautiful meals where only a select few could enjoy them, right? Right. So it was only for the elite or it was people that saved all year to have a birthday celebration or a holiday celebration. Mm -hmm. So what they started to do was create their own little restaurants in the cute neighborhoods of Chicago in comfortable, inviting atmospheres, but still giving that high quality of service and food that you couldn't get anywhere else. And I thought I was part of that in the sense that I was working within those scenes and I wanted to do my own thing. But at the same time, the market 
for obvious reasons, became saturated with these concepts. Mm -hmm. So I looked at the market and I said, well, what's what's really missing? And I was sitting there one day having a pizza and it was the light bulb. I said, pizza, Napolitano style pizza. It's it's something for all people at all times. And I wanted to be able to create it where I could create the environment and give the people perfect service and give them an excellent chef and then have it just in a warm inviting for everyone at all times so at any given time i want someone in a suit who works for a hedge fund sitting next to a little punk rock kid sitting next to an intellectual (laughs) who's a professor sitting next to you, you know and that was where the concept was born now around the same time we had the uh financial crisis so right. I was actually scouting scouting locations in Chicago around 2008 for this concept, and I had backers that were all bankers. And Did you when say the 2000, market crashed, 2008. Oh yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh! Really? Been, wow. <laughs> Bro, you don't remember um, that? We were well alive. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying were, I didn't know that you. I didn't know that you had this concept for that long. Oh, oh! I thought you were no. like, what's the financial crisis? Sorry. No. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely. So, um, you know, all of my investors were in high finance and they all lost their shirts. They lost everything like so many people did that at that time I became my dream, which was so close, fell to pieces. And with that, I kind of fell to pieces. I ended up leaving Chicago at that point. Um, I moved to a small seaside artist community in North Carolina for two years to kind of regroup myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided to move back up here to the Boston area where I am originally from to be a present uncle because my sister started having children. Mm-hmm. And, and but you know, such with life often, we forget the direction we were meant to head in. Mm-hmm. We forget because we have to work, we have to pay the bills, we get caught up in relationships, we forget our source, we forget who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. And it, it happens to all of us, we get in a routine. So I had forgotten about my concept. And then about five years ago, I was moving apartments, like so many of us do in the city. And I was going through some old files, and I found my old business plan. And everything was wow. there. Wow. And uh you know, I, it, it was one of those moments because just like when you move apartments, it's like the, the changing of the seasons, a, a piece of you goes away, but a brand new piece comes out right. and it's a new beginning. And I sat there and kind of teared up and I said, here you are, Dan, like well, you've been in this box for all these mm-hmm. years. I forgot about you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so very, very quietly, I started to make the moves necessary to open up source in a Harvard Square. And that's what I've been working on for the past five years. I wanted to create an environment where I have one of the best chefs in the country, creating some of the best food for all people at all times. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you you finally did it and you never like, you might've forgotten about it. And that's like actually interesting with the name source because you, like you said, it was your, your personal source is like that's who it. you are. That's cool. It has like a double meaning. I love that. Well, yeah. well, yeah, and the, the name the name source not only is stems from where we are, you know, sourcing local, but mm-hmm. it's source is what drives us. Right. Source is the and and I say it, I have it written in in oddly enough my employee handbook. 
Mm-hmm. Source is the beat that belongs to all of us. It's the pulse. Yeah. So, I love that. so that's what I wanted. And I wanted it to be almost that, that meaning. I wanted it to be the sourcing local. I wanted it to make people aware of what are we fueling ourselves? What, what are we putting into us? What is our source? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you that. go. A little more back, background on the name. I love that. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. And obviously sourcing locally is a very sustainable model as is finding your source um, for yourself. But is there any other ways that you incorporate sustainability into your restaurant or is it just kind of the local source aspect? Is that like a big passion of yours, the environment or? Well, absolutely. So I, I've been saying this for years and I was, um, you know, shut down a lot with my previous jobs because they just weren't into it as much as I was. But the reality of the situation with dining globally and dining in America, we, some people view it as a trend where, you know, you're sourcing local, you're sustainable, your, your, your traceability, all of that, eating organic, eating fresh. Mm. Some people view it as a trend, but that number is dwindling because the reality is, is that all of the folks who are into the organic movement, you you can see with Whole Foods, I mean, Amazon bought Whole Foods. Amazon understands where the direction is going. It's going to become the reality because all of this generation is going to start having children, right? Mm -hmm. And once they have children, they're going to pass on this lifestyle to their children and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was always important to me and it was always, I, I view the earth just like I really I view humans like we we all have our place and we all deserve to be here yeah and we should only we should only take what we truly need Mm. Uh, so I wanted to understand that better and I think we achieve that very much with our restaurant where you know we are talking to the local farms we are making sure the farms that we work with are working sustainably are not overdoing things aren't are not overrunning or purging anything Mm. you know even to the point of where we the company we utilize for our coffee atomic roasters out of salem the coffee they're getting their beans from it's one family a family uh down in brazil one farm and then one also in costa rica where it's just that family and it's just sustainable they're taking from them and it's that's it that's awesome instead of these mass Right. Kind big, of harvest companies. and all of this. And we're cutting into the rainforest. We're doing this. And um, you're supporting families and local business, right. small business. Exactly. And that's truly what it should be all about. Definitely. Totally. I, I think that's great that you're doing that. And jumping back into the food, you mentioned this yesterday when I saw you. Your chef has a French background, right? So, how does he incorporate that? you know, how do these Italian recipes come about? Cause your pizza is like Italian style. So what's the like, yeah. you know, inspiration behind the dishes and the menu at source? Well, yeah, no. So I am so blessed and grateful for my chef. His, his first true culinary training where he got kind of put through everything was in France um, mm-hmm. where he worked for a Michelin, a three-star Michelin restaurant outside of Lyon, France. Uh, and you can see it in the sense that of how he runs his kitchen and how, and once again, going back to sustainable, I mean, 
especially Europe. Europe's been trying to do sustainable forever. I mean, they have been doing it because they legitimately have the farms and the farmers markets every day that they go to. Yeah. Uh, But his recipes, the French, whether it's their wine or their food or their fashion, they are very precise and very detailed in everything they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they are very well-rounded with it. You know, people always say that French wines are perfectly balanced and very well-rounded. And that's Mm. the same with their cuisine and their training and their culture. Um, So you can see it in his approach to how he runs his kitchen, how he works with the recipes. We, we don't have waste, which Mm -hmm. is rare. I I think maybe we have less than 1% of food waste. Wow. And that, that goes back to his training and his pedigree as far as every single thing that we bring in is being used. I had a company call me where they have these these new apps that will come to your restaurant and pick up any leftover food. Oh, is so it, it doesn't for shelters? Does is that, it uh, too good yeah. to go? I can't remember the name, mm-hmm. but uh, they, yeah, they pick it up for shelters. And I, I felt horrible. I said, well, we don't, we don't have, have anything. Any. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I love the, I, I love the idea and the concept and right. I want to help, but I, I don't have any, so that's truly where you kind of see his background. It's much more, not so much in the cuisine, but I would say more in the technique. That's, that's crazy. Um, cool. Yeah. He, he is a true student of the craft, which is why he, his approach to Italian is so wonderful and mm-hmm. so fresh. Uh, I even had one of my good friends who is a, a developer and, you know, has worked for a lot of the big like DraftKings and all these and creates apps. And he came in one night and he's a true Italian. He's from Sicily. Mm -hmm. He is well ingrained in the North End and in all the restaurants in the North End. Mm -hmm. And he was sitting there and he said, he's very close with a very large restaurant group in the North End um, owned by a father and a son. And they, (laughs) he's like, I I, I don't, I don't want to He's like, I'm not going to be happy about this, but I have to go back and tell them that your food is better than theirs. Like, no, 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 no. I don't need any bad blood. No. Yeah. Uh, I said, I appreciate it. But his, his, he said it. He said, you know what the amazing thing about innovation is? And this is, once again, somebody who is in tech and very high tech. Uh, he said, all the people who have made impacts globally generally came from outside that particular industry. He said mm. Instagram, the, the developer of Instagram was an artist hanging out in his wow, garage. Really? Oh, and he wow. learned how to write code. Mm-hmm. He's like, you guys, what you're doing is so innovative to Italian food because you're not approaching it from here's my mother's recipe. Here's my grandfather's recipe. This is what I was told oh. to do. This is what I was told how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never thought of it that way, but I thought it was, it was a great point. And I guess it very is. true because we we are not our hands are not bound to this is the recipe this is how you do right. it. Right, that's a right. good point. I have also never thought about it that way. Makes sense though. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, also, we we know you opened in the height of the pandemic. So, I, how was that experience, and how are things going now? Brittany mentioned that you had a funny video about saying goodbye to your plexiglass <laughs> dividers <laughs> and stuff. So, 
Um, have you not seen the video? I haven't. I haven't. I gotta look at it. You need to I go know, watch it. I haven't it, even Caitlin. been to Source yet. It, it was didn't I know. exist when I lived in Boston, so I've got to go check mm -hmm. it out. I know she needs to come. She needs to come visit. You have to look at the video and play it with the music. Music <laughs> okay. is key. It is key. It's it's the it's the defining element. Yeah. It, well, it is because it is boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye. Oh. <laughs> That's a Just classic. Um, yeah, yeah. So opening up during the pandemic, awesome. I, I, I honestly couldn't think of a better time in the history of mankind to open a uh, restaurant. Uh, right? I mean, totally. No. So, I mean, you know, it, it obviously was not the plan. I signed the lease on this property December of 2019. I took control of the property January 1st of 2020. We started demolition. Demolition lasted January and February. We were scheduled to begin our official build was scheduled to begin the second week of March of 2020. Ugh, and, yeah. you know, Harvard, Harvard was the first school and first institution in Massachusetts to shut it down immediately without waiting for government or, or yeah. guidance. Uh, and in Cambridge, as Harvard goes, so goes Cambridge, right? Mm -hmm. So Harvard said, lockdown, students gone, bye. And then right when they did that, city of Cambridge said, all right, well, what, whoa, 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 Harvard. You know? yeah. And it's true. I mean, if, if one of the most intelligent institutions <laughs> on the globe says we might want to shut this down, then people are going to listen. You should yeah. listen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but so they, you know, we never began to start the official build. And then the city did not let us build until August. Mm. Um, August came and my biggest thing at that point was, and I said to my general contractor, I said, I need you to finish this before the holidays, meaning before November, because not only in New England, you have the holidays, but we also have the winter, right? So yeah. even with, without a pandemic, you don't want to open a restaurant at that time because you're up against the winter. And the pure fact of the matter is in the best of times, everyone has their plans for that last quarter. November, mm -hmm. December, every person who it's goes busy. out has yeah. already made the plans. Yeah, yeah they true. have family, they, they have corporate parties. Everybody's booked. Right. Every, it's a wrap. Like yep. you just don't want to open it. So my GC, bless his heart, finished mid-October, which was amazing. And we were ready to go. At that time, I started contacting the city saying, I'm ready for inspections. I'm ready for inspections. They would never get back to us. Mm. Wow. I'm ready for inspections. Oh, sorry, we, we, don't, we, we can't schedule it. I'm ready for mm -hmm. inspections. Oh, he's not here. Could, could you give us a call back Monday? Mm. And so yeah. I, mean, I, had, I was calling. I was writing. My attorney was writing. I went there practically crying, saying, and I said to the person at the front desk of uh, inspectional services, I said, you don't understand. I said, every day you push off my inspection is yeah. a potential na nail in my coffin. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to open. And I don't, I don't have anything to fall back on. I, mm -hmm. I didn't come from money. I, I didn't have the substantial savings every last penny went to this project mm -hmm. opening day i had negative four hundred dollars in all of my accounts like mm. that was it negative four hundred dollars mm -hmm. i was all in um and so finally they came out and they inspected me on one week from thanksgiving the thursday before thanksgiving 
got my inspection. Friday, they released my license that I had passed. I had the liquor companies all have my liquor orders waiting in their warehouses already prepared mm-hmm. because they can't deliver without a picture of that license. Mm. So right when the city gave it to me, I took out my phone, took a picture, texted it to all the distributors. The product was in by Friday night. Friday night, I had my staff training. Saturday, we opened. Wow. Um, so not only opening during the pandemic was horrible, but getting to the point of opening was Yeah, tragic. it's like a grind. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it sounds, sounds it tragic and complicated, but... I mean, things have progressed, right? Now you've got, you pushed all your plexiglass out, put more seats in yeah. there. So it's like, it was all worth it. It was. And um, I, I wouldn't, I would have changed the, you know, not dealing with the pandemic, but I mm-hmm. would, I am so glad for what I've learned and right. for, because mm. you learned how to do, how to operate business yeah. with nothing. Right, with right. Legitimately nothing. I mean, That's and true. you know, I my first phone call for my profit and loss with my accountant was on Christmas Eve, and it was after our first month of business. And I jokingly was like, "All right, you know, give it to me. What do we got?" Because mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be bad. Yep. And the first words out of his mouth were, "You need to close your business. Oh, you need gosh. to shut down." And of course, you know, and of course, my heart drops and. I, I just, I'd say, you know what? It's Christmas Eve. Mm. Let me, let me talk go. to you later. <laughs> now with the family, I'll yeah. get back to you. I can't process this right now. I can't hear that since 2008, I've had a dream and I finally have it. And you're telling me to stop it. Right. Um, but once again, we, we've made decisions where we closed the restaurant two days a week. We made the menu smaller. Mm-hmm. We furloughed the majority of our staff and it was just one of those things where you learned how to operate yeah. it, There was no yeah. dishwasher. There was no support. There was no, it was me, the chef. He had a, a, a sous chef and I had a bartender and all of us worked every day, day and night until wow. slowly you started to see the arrow go up. Yep. And, and now we're back open seven days. We have a brunch that is amazing, amazing. and that sells out generally. Um, and yeah, we had this past Saturday, partitions came down, which was the <laughs> first time I've ever seen my restaurant as yeah. I had dreamt it. So true, actually. I, have, yeah. I, I, I had plastic up before I had ever received a silverware delivery or glass. Wow. Delivery. So I'd never, crazy. I'd never crazy. seen my, my restaurant. I'd right. never actually seen the restaurant that I had dreamt of and designed for mm. so long. Right. So, well, we are so yeah. happy that everything is back to normal and now you, you can see source for really what it is without having plexiglass and <laughs> <laughs> split tables. Um, question for you. What's your favorite item on the menu? I feel like I know this, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Do you know mine? I I don't I, I don't know if I know. Hers yours. is the pepperoni it, pizza. I'm pretty yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's my mine as well. So uh, definitely the pepperoni pizza. Any of the desserts, but I also I mean I ate two donuts while I was driving into work today. So <laughs> if you put sugar sugar in front of me, it's gonna be uh I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Um, same. But yeah, I, I would say definitely for the pizzas, the pepperoni. 
for the pastas, the rigatoni with a mushroom Madeira sauce is Ooh, absolutely yeah. to die for. It comes mm-hmm. with, comes with uh, Rhode, from Rhode Island Mushroom Company, some beautiful maitake mushrooms. Um, for the small plates, the Brussels sprouts yes. are mm. unlike any Brussels sprouts anywhere in the country. And that's the one thing that we will never give our recipe away for are our Brussels sprouts. There's a certain ingredient that you can only find from one place in the world and we're the ones who have it and we will never give that up. Um, the Brussels so yeah, sprouts. What did you think was my favorite? I, I don't know. I guess I would have said the pizza. I mean, the pizza is just so like iconic. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just I mean, like, I, you know, it's just iconic. So I've got to go. Next yeah, time I'm, in Boston. I mean, I'm thinking in Providence, about it. I'm so. thinking about it now and I'm like very hungry and I'm like, oh man, what I would do for the Roni cup pizza right now. Teleport mm. it to me. Teleport it to me. Real quick, real quick, Dan, do you have any favorite spots to eat in like Harvard Square, Boston in general? Uh, Besides your restaurant, of course. But Yeah, I mean, Source? Um, <laughs> this place called Source, ever heard of it? Yeah. For Cambridge, for Cambridge, I I always think that Puritan and Co. do a mm-hmm. great yeah. job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I think they just do a phenomenal job, and they they remind me of you know what places in Chicago in 2008 were doing as mm-hmm. far as and that and I that might sound and some people might be like wow so you're saying they're behind the time you know. Chicago, Boston is a bubble, so things mm-hmm. take a long time to get out of here. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think they're doing just from the time you walk in, the level of service, the cuisine offered, the atmosphere, Puritan and Co. is definitely uh, my go-to. Mm-hmm. And in Boston, uh, I don't know. Nothing. Source. Uh, Ever heard of it? Uh, <laughs> tough to say. <laughs> Oh, no, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I don't know if I just haven't explored enough, but I I don't know in Boston. Uh, I think for a fun Latin time, Lolita, I've always enjoyed yeah, myself. Yeah, that's a fun spot. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Fun. yeah, that's a fun spot I for mean, sure. Th- those guys, once again, their their concepts, they, they do a very certain angle of what they like to do and what they like to do, I think they do well. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. And can you tell us just to wrap up here, what's next for you? Are you, do you have any plans for source? Um, you know, what's coming down the pipeline that we can be patiently awaiting? <laughs> well, as, as they, as the kids will tell you what they study at MIT and Harvard, I will say global domination. Love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, source, Source was a concept that was designed and built for scalability. Mm-hmm. So I would like to have at least 50, minimum of 50 across the country in the next 10 years or so. But it's also, for me, it is the driver and the workhorse for projects, other projects that I want to do. Source mm-hmm. is a wonderful concept because it has that scalability and you can drop it anywhere, almost anywhere and be successful. So with that, and that makes it, it's risky because it's a restaurant at the end of the day, it's risky, right. mm-hmm. but not, not as risky as when I want to do, cause I want to do my French concept. I want to do yeah. a Spanish concept. Yeah. I want to do just kind of a very 
elevated American concept. Mm-hmm. I want to do a, a molecular gastronomy concept. Like oh, those, cool. I, I cool. need source. I need source to be successful to fund those very high risk concepts. Right. Gotcha. So, That's exciting. So, and I yeah, love, that. And I love that like source itself can be, like you say, a source for other, but it, it can be like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it can be leveraged and that model can be used to fit different like cuisines and different. It's cool. It's like a universal model. <laughs> oh, and one vegan concept, a high end vegan. Concept. I like that. I, want to do. I just need to find the area because that is probably one of the most riskiest. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that is, but it's taking off. That's super niche. It is taking off. Well, that's getting really really popular. Yeah. Anything else, um, Daniel, that's all we had for questions. This was so, I I feel like I knew some of this stuff, but I also learned a lot too today. Learned more things I didn't know. No, it's good to see you so early in the day. So so my day off right. (laughs) So chipper today. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. And we'll link all of Source's social handles too so our listeners can know where to find you. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. Yay. Thank, thank you, you, Daniel. I'll see you soon. Ciao. Ciao. All right, so for today's BFJ tips, I want to talk about late night eats in Boston. Now, I'm gonna preface this. Everything I'm talking about here is pre-pandemic. I don't know if these things are still operating in the same way that they were now. Um, I can certainly look into it, but this is pre-pandemic late night eats. So I wanna talk about South Street Diner that's located downtown. It is a 24-hour diner. There are um, literal, literal, like, bodyguards out there at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night to like make sure the line is good and safe because there are lines out the door. It is such good diner food, open 24 hours right in downtown, right near all the bars and clubs. Highly would recommend checking out South Street Diner. Where I always tend to go post late night drinking is Chinatown. So my two go-tos that are open late are Peach Farm that's open till I think three o'clock a.m. and then New Golden Gate which is open till it was 4 a.m. but I'm not sure anymore what that what that's like. Again yeah, these Peach places Peach yeah, we, like I would always come like midnight at a bar my brain would just be on Peach Farm. I'd be like we need to go and like if you go right at two you're gonna wait like there are lines out the door um, again pre-pandemic but um, Peach Farm and New Golden Gate are probably my favorite. Lines out the door, just good, you know, Chinese food. You can get basically anything. But the funny thing is you can use a word called cold tea. Cold tea is a secret code for alcoholic beverage in Chinatown. What? So, so yeah. So, okay, so I literally if, didn't know this. Yeah, so if you go to I'm Chinatown for and you now, ask for back in the day. Tea, Here's the thing, though. It's all dependent on their mood. If they feel like serving you, they will. If they don't, they won't. I've gone and I've said cold tea and gotten it. And I've also gone and said cold tea and they just say no and serve you cold tea. So in some places they do it, some they don't. Again, I haven't done it in years, so I don't know if that's still the case. But cold tea basically means alcoholic beverage past, you know, late night hours. So at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., you can get another beverage. Again, I'm not sure how that is post-pandemic, but that was what we would do going out at these late night spots, um, you know, back in the day. So I really hope that these places can open up again, you know, and serve late night eats now that the clubs and whatnot are reopened. But 
I'm telling you, nothing hits like some dumplings at 3 a.m. after a long night of drinking. I mean, to me, that's just no, like dumplings and lo mein. Like so good. Now, like with the Uber issue, it's so hard to get Ubers. I just when I go out, I just want to get the heck home because yeah. like you can't catch an Uber. But dumplings and lo mein, nothing beats it. And yeah, those are the three spots that I frequent past 2 a.m. So hope you guys check them out. Hope that they open up in full again sometime soon. Well, that that concludes episode seven of Side Dish Podcast. Again, we thank you guys for the little, um, you know, hanging with us while we were a little bit delayed. Um, We had some scheduling conflicts, like Caitlin said, but we're so excited to be back on schedule next week. Thank you for listening. As always, follow me at Boston Food Journal and follow us at Side Dish Podcast. Enjoy the beautiful weekend. Have a good one, everyone. Bye. Bye. DiCaprio sisters out. Sisters out. <laughs>